0: We have um, lived in uh, South Dakota for just a little over a year. And we have watched the news reports. And um, I found something out that the only real news that gets broadcasted on the television is when the wind doesn't blow. That's news. Uh, Any other time, it's just, you know, that's what it does here, and it did that this week. Blue snow around, blue stuff around last night. Um, I guess we can pray that whenever that wind blows, it's a blowing of the fresh spirit of God upon our state and upon Huron, so maybe when you hear the wind blow and you feel the wind blow, um, think about God's spirit moving around us, and that'll be a... Good reminder of prayer. Um, About, well, let's see, looking back to last January, um, I made a decision, and I don't put this decision on anybody else, but it was a decision I needed to make for myself, and it was this, that I was going to um, remove myself from Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, those three accounts. I just felt that it was something I needed to do, and here's the main reason that I did that. I found that at least those three social media outlets had become the land of um, the land of haters. Just people were just hating each other. And the thing that bothered me and the reason that I personally chose to kind of drop all that aside um, was that a lot of the haters were my friends. They were my friends on Facebook and some of the things they said got me all riled up inside and I didn't like what they said. I didn't like the fact that these were, quote, my friends, and and they are, um, saying... Just unkind things about other people, and not just people that are out there against each other. Um, most of these friends that I have are also followers of Jesus, and yet they were saying very hateful things, and my little spirit just couldn't and my emotions just couldn't handle it anymore. I got to the point where I would look at a Facebook post or instagram or twitter thing and it just got me all riled up and there are enough things as a pastor to get you riled up that you don't need that kind of stuff being fed to you on a constant basis um the thing i miss though of course is seeing all the pictures from my family and other friends and weddings and stuff but linda every so often will um she has nicer friends than I do that don't say a hateful thing. Um, but she'll show me pictures and tell me about weddings and, and stuff like that. So I can get my information if I, if I need it. But we live in a world that, I don't know, it, it's increasingly hateful. Um... I personally believe we can be upset about things. We can not necessarily like the things that other people like or um, follow the things that other people follow. But it doesn't doesn't mean that we have to be hateful in in that. Um, We can hold on to our convictions, but we can still be compassionate. I firmly believe that. And especially as those who name the name of Jesus, um, that we are called to be lovers, not haters. In today's passage in 1 John chapter three, uh, starting verse eleven, um, John deals with that those issues of hate and of love, and which one is supposed to mark us, and. I know most of you say, well, I already know the end of the sermon. He's going to say that Christians need to love. Well, okay, you can go home now, or you can lay your head down on the pew, and you can take a nap. I know some of you do that anyway. Um, it's amazing what you can see from up here. And you may not know, but we have cameras right here, and it shows your picture on that screen right back there. Just, just kidding. <laughs> some of you in the back looked really worried for a minute. But wouldn't that be fun if we just, or even up here, just had the cameras scan the congregation every so often and zoom in on you and, hmm. That's the evil side of me. <laughs> no. Anyway, 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 11. Let me read it for you. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. John has used that phrase numerous times in his letter. That which we have heard from the beginning. That we should, here it is, love one another. And then he gives a contrast. He says, we should not be like Cain. Remember that guy way back in the beginning chapters of Genesis. Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. First murder that we have recorded in scriptures. Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's were righteous. Don't be surprised, brethren, that the world hates you, We know that we have passed out of death and into life because, we know this because we love the brethren. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he, that is jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers the sisters and brothers the brethren but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does god's love abide in him little children let us not love in word or in talk but in deed and in truth by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask from him, and we, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what's pleasing to him. And this is the commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he commanded us. And whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. By this we know that he abides in us. By his spirit whom he has given us. I want to look at three things this morning. I want to uh, say some words about uh, hate. I want to say some words. Second of all, about love, and then just to wrap it up by talking about the assurances we can have as followers of Jesus. So, some some words about hate. We read here that Cain hated his brother. We remember the story. They brought offerings to God. and God uh, received Abel's sacrifice, his offering, but he didn't of, of Cain's. Reminds me of the little Little question, little Bible question. How long did Cain hate his brother? As long as he was able. If my kids are watching right now, they're all going, Ugh. one of those dad jokes. Sorry. Anyway, um, Cain hated his brother. But the interesting thing is that God comes to Cain uh, before anything bad happens and says to Cain, Cain, um, I don't know why you're so upset. You kind of know what's expected. And then he warns Cain, he says, be careful because sin is crouching at your door. He warns him. He says, be careful, Cain, where you go and what you think and what you do because right there at the door of your home, uh, sin is waiting to jump out and devour you. you. Read in the New Testament that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking Whom to devour. Cain doesn't listen to God. And he kills his brother. And Jesus makes it clear in uh, Matthew chapter 5. And in the Sermon on the Mount that we looked at a few months ago. That Jesus says if we um, hate our brother. If we're unkind to them. It's like murdering them. It's giving them death. It's not kind words. Kind words can destroy. And why did Cain hate his brother? Very simply, John says, because Cain's deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. And Cain didn't like that. And Cain, here he mentions that Cain was of, belonged to the evil one. Did Satan come and put those murderous thoughts in Cain? We're not told that. But here, John alludes to the fact that that response of Cain toward his brother, that hatred and that murder did not come from God, but came from the evil one. It scares me to think that My friends on Facebook who exhibit such hatred to each other. Unkind words, unthinking. What I want to say of them, they are of the evil one. If any of those friends are watching right now, I'm probably in deep weeds. But I won't know what they say because I'm not on Facebook There are blessings that are ours. And then John goes on and says, um, kind of a therefore. We know that Satan hates God's people. He stands against righteousness. And so John says to the church, to the readers of this letter, don't be surprised that the world hates you. Why? Because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Satan is repulsed by that. And the world is repulsed by that. They may not put it in those words, but that's the issue. Darkness does not abide well in the light. In fact, darkness, if you, if you see this picture, darkness flees from the light. You ever notice that? When you turn on the light, the darkness disappears because it can't stand being in the light. The shadows move. So, hate is out there. Cain actually is kind of a prototype of evil, of hate. Okay, I'm done with hate. Let's move to the good news. He says that that is not the way the Followers of Jesus need to act. But um, verse 16, by this we know love. We are called to love one another. And this is how we know that we are loved. In that Jesus, the Son of God, came and died for you. He opened up your life to the love of God. He removed you from darkness and placed you in the light. He paid the price for your sins in the giving of his life. Jesus, as Paul writes to the Philippians, laid down his rights and his prerogatives of being God. He did not hold on to them. He did not grasp them, but he set them aside. He set all the glory of heaven that he has known from eternity past in order to come to earth, to offer himself as a living, as as a sacrifice for our sin. And as we surrender our lives to Jesus, we receive his salvation we receive his righteousness we are moved out of the darkness into the light we are moved from hate into love we abide no longer in the world but we abide in God and he in us And because Jesus loves us John goes on to say there there is a response that should come from us. And that he, as he laid down his life. We ought to lay down our lives. For each other. But if anyone. Has the world's goods. If we're possessing of anything. That is a, a blessing. A, a, whether it's. In our spirits. In our character. Or in our closets. If we possess something and see and I see my brother or sister in need and yet I close my heart to him how does God's love live and dwell in him and John's not talking about the issue of salvation he doesn't deal with that here he's talking about there is no evidence that God is in the house John says that we need to love and not just in the words that we say, the talk that we have, but in our deeds and in the truth we express. We are to give of our, um, I was going to say abundance, but we are called to give more than just out of our abundance. We are called to give of what we have. If I see you in need and I have some way to meet that need, I have a responsibility as those who have God abiding me and I've experienced his love, the love of Jesus, that I am responsible to give that out. And there's other portions of scripture said we are to give those things out with no plan of return. I remember a guy, um, a teacher years ago was talking about um giving talking about maintaining um, a right hold on the things that god has given us and he said something to me that really struck me has stuck with me he says if you have something to give that requires that you get it back Don't give it. That guy comes to my door and knocks on the door and says, Randall, you have a chainsaw? Yeah, I have a chainsaw. Can I borrow it? My response needs to be, no, you can't borrow it. But you can have it. I don't expect to get it back. If we were to respond that way, if we were to hold that, we would probably not lend some of the things that we have because we expect to get them back. And I don't know about you, I think that I know the men in here, if somebody borrows a tool from you, you, one, expect it back, and two, you expect it back in good condition and within a reasonable amount of time. But we are called to give, just to give freely with no expectation of return. It's easier said than done. But that is to be the mark of the believer because um, of what Jesus has done for us. In verse 19, he says, um, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts that we are. Now, he gets into a little bit interesting writing here that at first when we read it kind of is confusing. And I want to see if I can unpack it a little bit for us. He says, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. What's John writing about? I've, I've struggled with this sentence for a long time. Um, probably every time I read, have read First John in during my spiritual walk, I've I've been troubled by this verse. I just. Have you ever read scripture and go, I just don't get it. You know? And then if you have a bunch of commentaries, you get out your commentaries and you realize that all those guys who wrote their commentaries don't get it either. (laughs) They're arguing with one another. So I prayed about this one and I worked on this one and I read commentaries of guys who are much smarter than I am. And I started to read this verse, this sentence, in light of John's letter. Why is he writing this letter? He wrote this letter because there were people that were coming into the church, false teachers, that were saying... Your ability to go to heaven, your ability to stand before God really has very little to do with the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's about, I'll put it this way, it's about knowing the secret code word. That there is a special knowledge that comes upon you and once you get this knowledge, you you know That you're, we will put it this way, that you're saved. And that's what John is trying to protect his readers from. To say it's not a secret code word. It's it's based in the truth and the, as we sang today, the faithfulness and the steadfastness of God. So I would just want to suggest, and you're welcome to disagree with me, that's fine. That what is happening here is that from time to time our hearts will speak to us, we will listen to our hearts, and our hearts will say, You're really not saved. Has your heart ever said that to you? Maybe when you're laying in bed at night or you're working, and all of a sudden it just kind of hits you. My heart says, I'm not saved. The Gnostics were saying, you have to do these things, and once you do all these numerous things, then uh, salvation can become yours. You get in the secret club of God. And John is saying, your heart can lie to you. Your heart condemns you. Randall, you're not saved. Just, Randall, think of that sin you just, you know, did. You're not saved. Our hearts condemn us. And John is, is telling his readers, don't trust your heart. Trust God. Trust God and his word that he has spoken to us. God is greater than our heart. His truth supersedes your heart. It's His truth that we live by, it's His faithfulness, it's His Word. He who uh, believes on the name of Jesus is saved bottom line theology for us you believe in Jesus the scriptures say you're saved so God knows your heart so if his word says you do this you abide in me we can have assurance from God we can be reassured that God loves us Verse 21, John says, beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When we live in the midst of God's truth, our confidence grows. We trust in him. We don't trust in ourselves. We mark ourselves out by his truth, by his word. And if we know that, we have confidence before God that whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what's pleases what pleases him. He It's not the when the scriptures talk about getting from God that which we pray for. They're not saying that you can pray for that brand new Porsche and God will give it to you. Never deals with that because it always, there's a, there's a condition in that receiving. And it's a rightful condition. That it's about obeying God. And I like this little phrase, and do what's pleasing to him. There are a lot of people who obey God. But it's not out of a heart of love. It's a heart of fear. Or it's a heart that says, I'm going to obey, therefore I can get. John reminds us that we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. The things I pray for are things that should always please God. we said it before, we'll say it again. It's not about you. It's about God. Our prayers, our worship... when we are on our knees, when we're at the table, when our heads are bowed, or even we're driving in the car, or um, riding in the combine, our, our hearts go to prayer, and it's about God, it's not about us. Our prayer should be, God, give me the strength to obey, and show me what pleases you. As with our Little pink unicorn today, God, what warms your heart and so let's wrap it up with this. John says we we need to keep his commandments and do what pleases him, and then he's good to us, and he says, and this is his commandment. Now notice he goes from plural to singular he says. There are commandments to keep, but this is the commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another. There is an act of faith in believing. There is an act of love in our action. And as we believe in Jesus and love our brothers and sisters... We know that God abides in us. So, brothers and sisters, let's love because we are loved. I think it just nails down to that. We love because we are loved. We abide because he abides in us. So, whatever you do this week, um, let's love God and let's love one another. It was said of the early Christians, even by those who did not follow Jesus, they said, Boy, look how they love one another. I think Bethesda wants to be that place. that visitors will come in and they will walk back out the door after the service is over and go, I don't know a lot of things, but those people really love each other. And out of that love, they are loved as well. So, let's take a moment and talk to the one who loves you
1: intensely.
0: Children of God, know that you are the beloved. God who is love, loves you intensely. And as you live, may you be not only a receptacle of that love, but the vessel from which it is poured out to the people around you. And may it always be for his glory. Let us go now, in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know
1: more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesdamb.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org.
0: Check us out on Facebook by searching for the Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a
1: blessed day.